Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Connie Willis. The Podcast. Taking you into new ways of thinking. Even providing answers to questions you've often pondered. Connie Willis, the podcast. This is a Connie Willis exclusive. Whistleblower. What you're about to hear has never been heard anywhere else. This is Connie Willis, the podcast. Connie Willis here with an exclusive talking with private military government contractor and U.S. Navy Special Warfare veteran Robert Treat. This is where I asked Robert about needing help with his pets, two huskies and a pit bull, during his operation. It's uh, just one of those things that's associated with surgeries that are often taken for granted. Um, you know, I'm alone in the world. I don't have any family or you know close friends, so even though the VA is taking care of my surgery, there's all the things that go with it that you normally have a support system for, which I don't have. Um, you know, like how is the house payment going to be made? I'm not, I can't work, you know, you know, who's going to feed the dogs? Who's going to make sure, you know, that things are okay. And so those are, those are all the things. That's the reason for the GoFundMe was, um, all those little ancillary things that I have to prearrange you know, if I'm going to be in the hospital for six months, I need my house payment, uh, you know, paid up six months before I go. Or I'll come back and there won't be any home. <laughs> Don't forget to check out the GoFundMe link for Robert in the description. This is where I asked Robert about his dad, his adopted dad. Um, yeah, when it comes to my adopted dad, um, there, there's no doubt that my biological father was, you know, some sort of spook, um, you know, most certainly. You know, being the way he was treated and you know, how they didn't refer to each other by names and um, that he spoke with, you know, what she said was a, a British or Australian accent in, you know, Texas in the 60s. Um, so he was obviously some sort of spook, possibly even one of the, you know, you know, men in black, you know. At this point, I asked Robert if he would clarify what a spook was. Oh, intelligence. Um you know, like a MI6 or, you know, CIA or one of those things. If he, if he was British, most likely MI6. Um, I don't really know what predated Five Eyes back then, but um, the, the whole intel community has been incestuous ever since World War II. This is where I asked Robert about his experiences with the Grace. My, my first experience with um, what people call the Grays 
Um, about the first five minutes or so was absolutely terrifying. Um, but I don't know if it was just me or because of what I'd already been through, the traveling or the nature of my birth. Or um, I quickly relaxed with them. And the whole dynamic um, of the encounter changed when I changed. And, uh, you know, but, uh, this kind of connects back to my adopted father. Um, you know, I've always thought it was weird. You know, who pays $10,000 for a baby? You could almost buy a house for that in 1969. That's a lot of money. Um, I actually been more curious about what my biological mother spent the money on. Like, you know, if I sold, if I, if I sold one of my dogs, right, which I, I would never sell, but, you know, if I did do something like that, you know, what on earth could I ever spend the money on that I could have a good conscience with? I don't want to ask. I think she probably spent it on, on uh, alcohol and a car. And I don't, I have never asked her that question because I know it would just make me mad. She, she lives about 30 minutes from me. We don't have a relationship. We don't talk. Um, but I, I actually, that's why I moved to Texas was, you know, thinking that. You know, my, uh, my brother had been murdered, so I was, I was her last male child. And I moved to Texas to be with my biological family. And um, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would turn out. And uh, the reason I tracked her down was I, I launched a huge investigation that took a couple of years um, trying to find her because I was I was 30 years old. And I thought, you know, I'm getting a little older. It's it's time I found out if I have any genetic time bombs I need to. And you know, when you, when you go to the doctor, you fill out those forms and ask for your family medical history. Like, is there a history of heart attack or cancer? I didn't know. So I was like, well, I better find out. So I tracked her down and uh, sent her a letter and she sent me a letter back. And, uh, you know, we talked and then on my 40th birthday, my brother was murdered. And that's when I decided to come out to Texas. And it was 2010 when I finally came out here. And, um, you know, I kind of thought, because I had, you know, other siblings, sisters. I still had three sisters. And, uh, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents. And I thought, you know, oh, hey, you know, the prodigal son comes home. Everybody's going to be happy to have me back. No. Um, in fact, one of my siblings said, you know, their response was, what did that dumbass have to come back for? Yeah, probably because I was the product of an affair. You know, you, you you can't you can't have the little bugger around. You know, the husband probably wouldn't like that. But but she she tried when I met her, found her. She tried to tell me that my father was this guy Barton Menard, who was a full-blooded Cherokee, owns a big plumbing company here, and uh, I found him too. He was he was deceased, but I found his son, and uh, this is what led to the DNA test. <laughs> Um, because he was full-blooded Cherokee, and I was like, well, you know, you know if I you know, prove that I'm Cherokee, then I can get on, you know, the tribal roles, and I would have an identity, you know, part of tribe, right? You know, being adopted, you grow up without an identity, without feeling like you belong. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, I'm Cherokee, yada, yada, you know, I'll have a tribe, and I'll be a part of something, and that is not at all what my DNA test came back with, and I had to go back to my birth mother and say, look, the person you told me of my father is not my father. 
She's like, yes, yeah. I'm like, no, he's not. Here's a DNA test. There's not a drop of Cherokee in me. You know, so maybe you need to check your sign-in book or whatever, you know, who you were with that month. Oh, I was not polite about it. And she said, well, the only other guy that I was with, and then she told me about, you know, the, the man at the club, you know, those six guys and how she did have an affair with one of them. And uh, when she said, you know, the British accent, that jives with my DNA test. She knew nothing about him. You know, just that he would arrive with these with these other gentlemen, and when they when they came in, um, everybody had to leave, and um, you know the people who did stay, who were allowed to stay, you know, very much kowtowed to them. They were they were something. They were something important, but she didn't know what. I tried to do some research into the name of the club, which was called Sir Walters. This is a Connie Willis exclusive on Connie Willis the podcast. Well, the schools that I went to were. Um, they had a different curriculum that was a lot more challenging and made accommodations for, you know, smart kids. Like, um, you started school when you tested high enough to enter, right? So like the basic preliminary things of, you know, being able to write your own name and your ABCs and your one, two, threes, you know, to enter first grade. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, like here in America, you enter first grade when you're six. That's an age limit. But, you know, when I started school, it was in Tehran, and you enter school when you can complete the basics. So I started first grade when I was three years old. Um, so by the time we moved to America, I was already really technically ready to graduate. Um, but they rolled, they held me back. And that was the, that was a catastrophic moment for me was being, being forced back into eighth grade when I was, should have been a junior in high school, that they thought it was better for me to be with kids my own age. And that was absolutely the wrong decision. Yeah, I was very upset about being held back, and I, I made that known. Like, I, I was like, no, I object to this. I want to, you know, I want to be in um, high school and get my education over with so I can go on to college. And they gave me my, my curriculum, like math class, math class, like seriously, like I should be in calc. Yeah, I had this years ago. I don't need this. You know, an English class, I'm like, don't you people know how to speak English already? Like, why? <laughs> What is the point of this? And so from the time we moved to America, I was always in trouble, always in the principal's office, always getting SWATs. Our principal's about this big paddle, and you, you call them SWATs. And the first time I got SWATs was English class because I still spelled my words like color, C-O-L-O-U-R, you know, the British spelling. Because in the 70s, right, we learned the Queen's English, not this whatever they speak here, right? So I was always arguing with my teacher. She's like, that's not how you spell it. I'm like, yeah, it is. And she goes, she goes, well, that's not why, that's not how we spell it in America. I'm like, then why don't you call it American class? The, uh, <laughs> off to the office. <laughs> on my 17th birthday, my father informed me that for my 18th birthday, he was going to throw me out of the house. And I'm like, that's in the middle of my senior year. 
there's not even any point to this. If I can't even graduate, then let's just call it quits right now. Yeah, I went right into the military and, and, and then what followed there made college redundant. I went back and got my GED. The only drawback is I don't have any certification or credentials that, you know, help me translate that into the civilian life I lead now. Um, like, you know, even though I know, I know things, I know how to do things. I don't have a certificate that says I know how to do it. What you just heard has never been heard anywhere else. This is Connie Willis, the podcast. Informant. Learn more about Connie, her guests, and be sure to join her private membership shows, Blue Rock Talk and Connie After Dark at ConnieWillis.com. Whistleblower.